0: Hey guys, welcome to episode the three threes, number nine in the whirlwind of 2020. I'm your host, Stacey. How's it going this week, folks? I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Fringe with Benefits is brought to you thanks to inward survival resilience training. Take a moment to go within every single day and lovingly consider every individual cell of you as an organism. So now that I have you all primed with some woo-woo shit, let's break it down with some inventory basics. Uh, This week at the accountability table, I basically just wanted to say that I basically say basically and so way too much, a lot. So apologies. I'll try not to say so. I'll say therefore, being able to hear my voice and how I speak allows me to explore what I'd like to improve upon, which are a lot of things. Therefore, I will work on that and conscientiously make improvements so I don't repeatedly say the same dang words over and over. Other than that, I know that even though that we breeze through some complex topics, it leaves room to learn more. So everything is an open and evolving topic. Anything we have discussed prior is open and evolving. So feel free to email me with any thoughts or concerns or anything you want to add to any topic that we have talked about thus far. Let's get down to business now. Real quick before we go over the lame business stuff, let me take a moment to ask you to visit the listener support options and sign up to help keep the podcast growing and thriving. Um, So hit the support button if you're willing to, I don't know, give a monthly contribution to the show. That's on the Anchor homepage for the show. Or just share the show. Friends, family, social media. I don't care. Tell people about it. Just share it on your social media. Let other people know that I'm out here and I'm talking about crazy stuff. They might want to listen. And it helps us get seen more. I mean, the more that you share it and the more people, like, go on to it and look at it or subscribe to it, it it gets bumped up and it gets shown more for new suggestions. Make sure you visit the website at inwardsurvival.com, Check out the blog and ways to donate um, for the nonprofit. And there are links to these episodes now on there. But it's through the Anchor, not through Apple. So... You may not want to listen through there. Usually people will want to listen from their phones or whatever, which I probably wouldn't go to a website to listen unless I had a special subscription. Make sure that you go follow all my social medias. Uh, The show, Fringe with Benefits, officially has its own Twitter and Facebook. It's not super active yet, but sometimes I do put some cool little articles in there or I'll, I'll talk. But I want people to go and interact with me on the show profiles. That would be awesome. And of course there's all my personal pages too. You know where to find me. look for Stacy. I have a YouTube channel, although I don't put much content up there, it is Golden Valkyrification. and for all you ap- all, Apple. <laughs> ap- all, for all you Apple listeners, leave a five star rating and review. and I will probably read those on the show. Above all, thanks for listening. Fringe with Benefits has its first five-star written review, and so I'm going to read it out loud like I said I would. I've gotten uh, several ratings, which is awesome. I got five out of five stars. Go over there and do that if you listen on Apple. But I wanted to read this one. Five stars, it says, You're really cool mom, and it's from your son. This is a really cool little podcast, and his name on there is Inward Survival Warrior. How's that for some warriorship? Supporting his mom. Like I said, go over there and leave me a five star so I get seen and I can compete with the big boys. Stacy Socials is brought to you by Anchor. I'm gonna play a little advertisement. It's my voice reading it. I don't get anything for doing this podcast, but Anchor does facilitate me to use their platform. So I'm gonna go ahead and enter a short ad. You're probably used to these ads by now. And uh, enjoy, I'll see you on the other side. Okay, so here we are on the other side of that ad. It wasn't so bad, was it? So we're in Stacy's socials now. The segment in which we talk about the division, the smears, the all-around grossness. It's mind-blowing, ain't it? Reading comments with condescending overtones, blaming people they've never met, judging people for their decisions that have to do with their bodies, not yours. I've pretty much figured that if it's, you know, somebody else's body, it's really none of my business, correct? But not nowadays, I guess. Beliefs before principles, eh? I bet the same people that put program beliefs before principles would put money before honor. I always heard principles before personalities. Which says to me, integrity and principalities comes before my personal feelings. I would like to put my core values in front before I wreck anything with my big dumb know-it-all ego, wouldn't you? I mean, it's the smartest thing to do. That's why I'm very careful how I interact online. I care about how I make people feel by what I say and how I behave. No matter how strongly I feel about a cause, I try not to harm anyone while getting that across. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that doesn't really work out, you know? Sometimes I have zero success, but mostly I can feel proud about what I share on my itty-bitty virtual soapbox. Some introspection is warranted always. This week, we were given some real information about the finger quotes here, Rona. Since the virus has taken a hold on our lives, it's a huge topic, wouldn't you agree? I do, it's a huge topic. I mean, everybody's talking about it or you know, intentionally not talking about it because they're sick of talking about it. It's an issue of loss for some. I mean, some people have lost family members to it and some people have lost jobs, homes. Um, And this is just like one of the tragic things that's going on in this year of 2020. It's also a hot issue when it comes to talking about treatment options. You can't even talk about treatment options for this thing, which is kind of suspicious to me. It puts gas on an already explosive vaccination topic because now here we are talking about vaccinations. And of course, you know, just given those anti-vaxxers hell, which I personally don't think it's cool giving anybody hell, but it's already, you know, puts already, you know, gas on it, already freaking exploding fire on that one. And if you bring good news about the, finger quotes, Rona, there's going to be naysayers. Oh, no, no, it's much worse than you think it is. And they say this many people have died. You know, when you're trying to bring good news or a positive outlook, you don't really need to hear the negative. Not when you're trying to bring joy and happiness, you know? Well, this week, I found an article by the Washington Examiner by Emma Colton named Chinese Virologist says she will publish research showing Corona blank is man-made. Dr. Li Minyan told a British talk show earlier in the month it comes from the lab, the lab in Wuhan, and the lab is controlled by China's government. She said that the reports it came from the Wuhan markets was a smokescreen, her words. And Yan says it's uh, not from nature. She says, "Where's my notes?" She said she got her new intel from the CDC in China and local doctors. And she says that she's going to prove it. I'm gonna quote her. The genome sequence is like a human is like human fingerprints. She also says even if you have no biology knowledge, you will be able to read it check it and identify and verify it for yourself since i i personally have biology knowledge i i freaking knew it i knew this was a bioweapon and there were things that were going on that led me to believe that it's not like it came out of my brain i was not being fooled so they'd think we're a bunch of fools to think that it happened naturally right She made the headlines earlier in 2020 well where the hell are those headlines that's what this article says that she made the headlines well no not i didn't see them she blew the whistle and fled to the u.s from hong kong and she says she wanted to deliver the u.s this message she swears if she would have stayed she would have disappeared and been killed china of course denies allegations and so next you know after sharing this, you know, Monday, I think, Um, last night, she was on Tucker Carlson, and she speaks out there, basically going back over what I just read to you. I will link, um, put links in the show notes for everything I'm talking about here. And so on Tucker, Tucker Carlson, she clearly just reiterates her message. In January of 2020, January of this year, the Department of Justice released news of a Harvard professor and two Chinese nationals charged in three separate China related cases you have to read it link will be in the show notes one of them had vials 21 to be exact uh, full of biologics they are not specifying what was in those vials but you you know I mean you put in two and two together there's a lot of circumstantial stuff that is like okay well was, was it the Rona or was it not you know So they were being smuggled into China from the U.S. The guy who was like the head of this whole thing was this fancy spancy professor, Dr. Charles Lieber, and he is a specialist in the area of nanoscience. Does this sound familiar from one of our previous episodes? So he's also a doctor who received $15 million in grants from the National Institute of Health and the Department of Defense, so our government has been given him money and so now he's in big trouble for just go read the dang article i mean and this goes along with her stuff as well is this related to that i mean do we have citizens are actually involved in the release of this virus very interesting coincidental and all i i wouldn't be surprised if some of our leaders knew knew all about it you know honestly We will stay on top of this huge news. It's great news actually. And we have some idea you know, finally about what's going on. So I really wanted to be the person to bring you that news that this lady's out there and she's saying this, she knows what she's talking about. She's gonna be publishing the evidence. And so the scientific community is going to actually have to look at it. And all these politicians that have been using this scenario to push whatever agenda they've been pushing is not going to be able to happen because I don't know. It's not going to happen, okay? So, I will stay on top of this for you and I'm just stoked to hear this news. I'm stoked that she's out and that they're they're putting her on the news and people are actually talking to her because she deserves to be listened to, she deserves to be believed, and we all deserve the truth. This week's viral corner is full of piss and vinegar. So, who pissed in the corner? Well, the idiot who inspired this week's video. (laughs) So TikTok user at2legitshmits, legit I think it's uh, at2, number 2, L-E-G-I-T-S-M-I-T-S, shares the story of what recently happened to him while driving through Olympia, Washington. He's an African-American guy with a big old beard, and he starts off saying he didn't know his truck made him a racist, right? And then he goes on to say that he's driving through uh, Olympia, and he's driving this badass lifted 215 F250 with tinted windows. And he he obviously really likes his truck cuz he's I'm like shit, you know, I would too. It's a 7 power stroke lifted on 40 he says, which I don't know what that means, but it sounds pretty cool. He says he's cruising through town and he gets to a stoplight where he sees some angry protesters. He says they're yelling at cars as they pass by and he hears you racist hillbilly motherfucker and he's thinking what the fuck? he's literally puts it in park after they say, yeah, you with the little dick truck. And he gets out and says, who the fuck do you think you are talking to? And sorry about my papers wrestling because I have my notes written down. And he's like mimicking the obviously shocked protester when he says he's like, whoa, 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 I didn't know you were black. And he comes back with this response that's just freaking awesome. He says, no, that shit doesn't matter, bro. Don't be out here antagonizing motherfuckers. Don't be saying you're standing up for some shit when you're just a pussy. Olympia, you don't want this, he closes with, you know, and it made my day. Messed with the wrong dude right there and made an assumption that because of the truck that he was driving that he was some white racist hillbilly, which is bad news, man. So he totally was discriminated against because of what he was driving you know and he, he gets out and he's like obviously I'm you know I'm not a racist hillbilly I mean come on so I'm, I'm so glad that this dude set his ass straight the guy probably peed his pants and you'll see it in the show notes I put a link you're definitely gonna have to see this week's viral video because it's on point <laughs> Okay, so this week's weekly topic is kind of a, I don't know, kind of a boring one, kind of a, you know, just like an elementary topic. I mean, if you're into conspiracies, you know all about this. You've been suspecting that this has been going on for several decades and that this has been a problem since, right, you know, well before the 1950s. And the topic we are gonna discuss is Operation Mockingbird. I figured we'd go back to basic conspiracy theory um, and talk about that stuff with you. We have not covered a lot of ground. I don't know if anybody knows me personally. I have probably covered this in, in open discussion with you, but we have not covered this on the podcast. And I thought it was really important, especially in today's climate. So let's start. So this is a confirmed, but and partially disclosed, true to life conspiracy orchestrated by our government. And when I research these topics for the show, I do it like I heard a friend talking about it and I decide to look it up for myself kind of thing. You know, what do people say when they Google or they search for, you know, whatever the topic is? And I usually check out what Wiki says first. There's a lot of good work done on Wiki and I hate to disregard that or try to discredit them in any way. I don't want to do that, but I do... I do have some bias towards them, but I do like to also hear what people have written up on all topics when I, when I look for something. So we're going to start with Wikipedia. So Wikipedia has both an Operation Mockingbird and a Project Mockingbird page, and it's very important to discern between the two. On the Operation Mockingbird page, at the top we'll refer you to see also Project Mockingbird with a link. It goes on in italics to say this article is about the unconfirmed CIA project. My papers are all messed up. It's about the unconfirmed CIA um, project to influence the press. For the confirmed project, Mockingbird, for an overview of CIA influence on the media, see CIA influence on public opinion. We will definitely come back to that. So for one, I wanna start with it's it's being said, it's alleged, okay? And that what it is, is basically a large scale program of the CIA. And uh, I can't read my notes there. Oh, we're gonna emphasize that CIA stands for Central Intelligence Agency. So start at the beginning at the Cold War era. This is when it started. And who is it? The CIA, Central Intelligence Agency. It's almost kind of scary to say it, right? So what is it, large-scale operation, to attempt to manipulate media for propaganda? Why? Not really sure yet. How? Well, they funded student and cultural organizations and magazines as front organizations to spread whatever narrative that they wanted the people to know. Considering that, you know, we're at war, we're not really at war with Russia, but there's this major tension going on during the Cold War, and there's all this communist influence that our government was really worried about, maybe some spying all kinds of stuff. So there's, you know, there's a lot of backstory and I'm not going to go into that here. I'm just going to give you the basics of what this is and what it is connected to. So writer Deborah Davis is quoted saying in this wiki article that Mockingbird recruited leading American journalists into propaganda networks, influencing behavior and activities of these particular front groups. The CIA support these groups or the, the CIA supporting these groups was exposed in a 1967 Rampart article, a collection of the United States National Student Association, which is basically a collective of student governments from colleges around the country, and a church committee congressional investigations r- revealing CIA connections with reporters and civic groups. Yet these being revealed are, are not mentioned. So... When they revealed these, they did not mention the term Operation Mockingbird, nor did they mention Project Mockingbird. This is something that kind of came later from what I can see. We all know that they use messaging and mass media to sway public opinion, right? We, you know, TV is called programming, and they call it that for a reason. 1977 Rolling Stone, Carl Bernstein wrote, by 1953... CIA director Alan Dulles oversaw the media, newspapers, and etc. The CIA would write up reports with their little hidden messages, pay journalists or news stations to run it, and then it would be repeated throughout the wires, or what they call them, you know. And that Deborah Davis ruffled some real mogul feathers when she wrote her books. So many journalists and publications ran a smear on her work. And then that's kind of how the Wikipedia Stuff, you know, ended up is, is, you know, the responses from these journalists about Davis's work. So let's, you know, like I s- mentioned before, like we got to remember that both the U.S. and the Soviets were creating front organizations. So the reports say and so that, you know, there were these front organizations created in order to compete with each other. I don't know how that works, but that's basically what the reports say in this article or the Wikipedia thing. So after Watergate, Watergate, U.S. Congress was rightfully concerned about abuses of the CIA. There was a series of congressional investigations uh, of CIA activities through 1975 through 1976. The most extensive discussion of the news media stuff was the aforementioned church committee published on April, uh, don't have the date, but April 1976 regarding the foreign and domestic media it states so let's go with the foreign first this is quote the cia currently maintains a network of several hundred foreign individuals around the world who provide intelligence for the cia and at times attempt to influence opinion through the use of covert propaganda these individuals provide the cia with direct access to a large number of newspapers and periodicals scores of press services and news agencies, radio and TV, commercial book publishers, and other foreign media outlets. In regards to the US, quote, approximately 50 agencies' assets are individual American journalists or employees of a US media organization. Of those, um, just under half are accredited by US media organizations. The rest are non-accredited freelance contributors and media representatives abroad. More than a dozen of U.S. news organizations and commercial publishing houses formally provided cover for agents abroad. A few had no idea that their organizations were being used as a cover for the CIA when traveling internationally. Okay, so the CIA's response was this. They issued some restrictions as to what they could do with journalists and what they couldn't do. Bush Sr., in 1976, acting as director, announced... Quote, C.I.A. will not enter into any paid or contractual relationships with the press accredited by any news service, etc., Yet at, that restriction isn't for those without press cred- credentials. But so if we look back at what the committee said about um, these freelance journalists and that there was uh, just ha- less than half of these people were accredited, they were dealing with people that were mainly not accredited, credited, and that this restriction does not apply to people without press credentials. And in today's day and age, how many people are writing news articles? I mean, how many people actually have press credentials unless they're actually on site at the White House or at very important public speaking events with, you know, with the the best of the best? You know, how many people actually have press credentials nowadays? Maybe let me know that. So I hopped over to the Project Mockingbird page on Wiki And it says that it's this refers to the confirmed CIA wiretapping operation. Project Mockingbird wiretapping initiated was by JFK to identify government leaks through eavesdropping on journalists. Right. So this is actually the paperwork that they released to the public. And it's really interesting how this goes down. So October 2001, they published the transcripts of secretly recorded conversations in the Oval Office during the summer of 1962, in which Kennedy used the CIA to spy on a national security reporter. His name was Hanson Baldwin, and he worked for the New York Times. Baldwin wrote an article disclosing sensitive classified materials, freaked the president out, wanted to know who his leak was, you know, I mean, that's reasonable. So the knowledge of this was made public in 2007 with the release of this 702 page document. It was widely released and it's referred to as, get this, quote, the family jewels, unquote. So this was a phone interception done between March 12th, 1963 and June 15th, 1963, spying on two reporters to find out their source of their information. The FBI refused to proceed without an opinion from the Department of Justice that they would prosecute and found that what they were doing wasn't even legal. So the FBI said that the CIA had no authority to investigate newsmen because the leak, even even though the leak was classified information. Okay, so as we move through trying to figure out the difference between Project Mockingbird and Operation Mockingbird, I ran into... A 693-page report issued by the CIA, uh, courtesy of the Washington Post. It's a, basically a, a PDF scan copy, and of course they released it. You know, it, looks, it makes Kennedy look really bad. Um, and it's definitely not the same thing as Operation Mockingbird. So let's really clarify this, that it's not the same thing. Yet, Project Mockingbird and Operation Mark- Mockingbird technically kind of happened around the same time. In fact, who's to say that the summary was not intentionally named Project Mockingbird to confuse people because of the infamous knowledge of whatever o- Operation Mockingbird was? But then again, I don't even know. Um, found a really cool article on allthatsinteresting.com, Kara Goldfarb, uh, in a 2018 article called Inside Operation Mockingbird, the CIA's Plan to Infiltrate the Media. She talks about... Recruiting Journalists to Write Fake Stories Promoting the Government Ideas While Dispelling Communist Ones. And this headline reads, Student Group Concedes it, was, it Took Funds from the CIA. And that was the New York Times front page headline from February 14th, 1967. What are they talking about, right? It's For one, it's alleged, just like we said before. Number two, it supposedly started in 1950, so way before when, you know, Kennedy had the CIA spy on those reporters. And what, what it was, like I said before, is they were recruiting journalists to, put, to be put on the payroll and instructed to write fake news promoting views of the Central Intelligence Agency. This expanded internationally. They were doing it all over the world. Frank Wisner, director of espionage and counterintelligence branch of the CIA, spearheaded this organization and was told to focus on propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, including sabotage, anti-sabotage, demolition, and evac measures. Subversion, including assistance to underground resistance groups and support of indigenous anti-communist elements in the threatened countries of the free world. Let's go back to including assistance to underground resistance groups. So when we hear about the CIA giving guns to militia groups, that's basically what they're doing, what what they call it. This article also goes on to say that there are reporters who said they were being blackmailed and threatened to actually do it, that they didn't want to, but they were being blackmailed into doing it. Not only did they spread the disinformation, right, they covertly collected information for the CIA. Although even the weird declassified 600 pages of the wiretap, they never confirmed or officially state that they discontinued Operation Mockingbird. So we move to theblackvault.com. Everybody knows the Black Vault. It's where you can find uh, Freedom of Information Act stuff. And so I went there in 2013, the CIA sent a response to the FOIA request from this organization, I believe, which is, like I said, Freedom of, Freedom of Information Act. And it's attached to these scanned documents of the wiretap occurrence. So you can see all that on blackvault.com. It's a really boring read, and it basically just talks about the basics of that wiretap. T- nothing, nothing else. And then we move into this other article by joe olivero oh is it yeah olivero oliveto i think it's oliveto joe oliveto all these will be linked in the show notes from thethrillist.com in 2015 wrote a piece called seven secret cia operations you were never supposed to hear about now this is where it gets juicy okay this is a great article if you don't read anything else um, from the sources This is one thing you definitely need to read because he he writes beautifully and it's freaking nuts, okay? A 1952 real CIA memo, quote, opens up with, quote, Can we get control of an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation? That was from what was called Project Artichoke, he says. He goes on to say... Every now and then we discover that our tax dollars have helped fund some truly bizarre and fucked up programs. Number one is luring people with sex workers and slipping them acid. As a part of Project MKUltra, which is, if you do your research, it's going to be related to Operation Mockingbird and um, all the other underbelly of CIA operations in the U.S. Okay, so basically they were luring these people with um, hookers, or sex workers is what they like to be called, and slipping them with acid. Their main mind control program is called MKUltra, and this was an aspect of that. So agents gave LSD to prisoners, sex workers, and people on the street, you know. This particular project was named Operation Midnight Climax, isn't that funny? So basically, they would lure them under the enticement of, se- enticement of sex and record the outcome from the other side of a two-way mirror. Can you believe that? Could you imagine being brought into a room? You think you're going to have sex with, you know, some hooker and all of a sudden you start tripping balls and you're in a room that you, oh my god, that sounds absolutely nightmarish, right? So over the course of this operation what was it called midnight climax there was one death that occurred and it was a dr frank olson who was a cia employee he suffered a breakdown after his boss spiked his coffee with lsd well it says a month later after his coffee was spiked with lsd that he fell to his death in a um in new york in an apparent suicide but the autopsy revealed trauma that's suggestive of homicide So I'm not too sure what his fall a month later has to do with his consumption of LSD the month prior. I I don't know. But it it was kind of put together as if one was the, you know, the cause of the other. And I don't believe that that's so. But either way, he was suicided, which we know that people that are, you know, it's a suspicious suicide. It's probably a homicide that's made out to look like a suicide, right? So number two of all the messed up things the CIA has done is using psychics to gather intel for 17 years. So if you've done any research on this, we have the Stargate Project from between 1978 and 1995. They, they used psychics. They did remote viewing. And they say that it was ended in 1995, but I'm really suspicious that they actually stopped it, considering they were getting results with the remote viewing. Number three, playing whack-a-mole with world leaders. So this one's a good one. 1953, Prime Minister Mohammad Massadeh of Iran was planning to nationalize its petroleum industry. The CIA, worried about financial damage to BP, staged a coup and installed the Shah. So really fucked up the Iranian country, for sure. All because it was getting in the way of their petroleum monies. Also, 1954, Guatemala overthrew their government. And that was, they were aiding Guatemala in overthrowing their government. And then also in 1973, the Chilean coup that they were suspected of being involved in. So basically just screwing up other people's governments to make sure that it didn't foil their plans for whatever monies was being funneled wherever. Number four, snaking Nazi scientists after World War II. So this one's Project Paperclip. I may do a weekly topic on this one alone because it's fascinating. A lot of people do not know that we actually hired on a bunch of Nazi scientists at the end of World War II. We basically employed them, brought their families here, and treated them like celebs. It's a crazy story, and a lot of our rocket technology came from one of those infamous doctors. Or scientists, I should say. Rocket scientists, I should specify. But yeah... Project Paperclip. We we did that. Number five, lied about torture practices and falsified the effectiveness. Per the findings of the Senate Intel Committee report, they were out of line, right? Way out of line. The writer says O.J. Simpson would be impressed with the amount of lying. Number six, playing big brother to over 300,000 U.S. citizens decades before the Internet. Quote, thanks to Edward Snowden, many Americans now feel like the protagonist of a lifetime thriller. We thought the government loved us only to discover that it has a dangerously paranoid side we didn't see. End quote. Hilarious, right? Great line and super accurate. Number seven, having real life mad scientists on staff doing insane experiments to humans and hu- to humans. So subproject 68 was a, a subproject of the big like blanket project of MK Ultra. It was run by Dr. Ewan Cameron. This guy conducted these tri- trials to leave people with the mental capacity of babies and then tried to rebuild their personalities. So he converted these horse stables into sensory deprivation housings for these poor people. He get this. He induced comas. He would isolate them for weeks. He gave them electric shock. Forced them to listen to recorded looped messages meant to recreate their identity while wearing sensory deprivation helmets. One subject was forced to listen to the same looped message for 101 days. What the fuck, man? I did a little bit more research into that. I wanted to know a little more about MKUltra and especially, like, the stuff that's credible. So I found an article in McGill Daily. This is a publication out of Montreal in which this was the place where Dr. Cameron actually did this. This article was called MK Ultraviolence, which was like a spinoff of Clockwork Orange. I thought that was really cool. So MK Ultraviolence, or How McGill Pioneered Psychological Torture. They say that Allen Memorial Institute in Royal Victoria Hospital gives credibility to the last horrid thing of Dr. Ewan Cameron's work. There's a great detailed article of the brainwashing conspiracy from the CIA and the Canadian government, because the Canadian government was in on it, too, allowed it to happen. So these were mind control studies at McGill. And this was just a component of the larger project led by Sidney Gottlieb of CIA, which we mentioned earlier. This supposedly ended in 1963... And it compiled all these techniques into a torture handbook called Kuberk Intelligence Interrogation Handbook. And it actually cites the original research done at McGill of this the torture that was inflicted upon these people. Absolutely unbelievable. So there were these lawsuits, tons of lawsuits in the 1980s. These lawsuits piled up. The Canadian government even launched the Allen Memorial Institute Depatterned Persons Assistance Plan giving $100,000 to each former patient of Dr. Cameron. So they did remediation for what they did to these people. So another link that I wanted you guys to go visit, I'm not too sure, it's, it's R magazine, but it's a weird link. It's a coat.ncf.ca forward slash R underscore magazine. This link has some reports on MK Ultra Mind control stuff, but if you scroll down you find Dr. Ewan cameras pictures and titles. So this guy was on the Nuremberg Tribunal and he was president of the World Psychiatric Association while he was systematically torturing people. He was I, in my opinion, those are crimes against humanity to do stuff like that to people. It's it just beyond, beyond horrid. So now we're gonna go back to Wikipedia to close this segment. We went to um, under CIA influence on public opinion. I wanted to see what that said. And it it says that it was basically to control communism. So they injected society with ideals and beliefs that they wanted society to have. So this could also explain why there was this big surge surge in nationalism and fear of communism right the disclosures that have have been verified are as follows they planted news stories to spread false ideas there was a little yellow piece of paper folded it was um, a receipt it says to warren haskins in the amount of fifteen thousand dollars and this piece of yellow paper is the last memento i possess of vast and secret operations so this was The quote of the guy that actually kept this little folded yellow piece of paper. Then it goes on to talk about that there is actual credible people saying that there is assistance to all of the entertainment industry and that CIA operatives is being a CIA CIA operative is now a Hollywood staple. Uh, the so many so many films about the you know the renegade cia operative who you know his organization turns on him and they got to hunt him down like the born identity or whatever or we've got you know james bond or we've got you know taken ex-cia operative who's gotta save somebody we have this what would we call it like an archetype the cia operative the james bond it is ingrained in Hollywood culture to have these characters. We we know so much more about that character and that personality and that experience because of Hollywood films but not be, and not because of anything else that we'd actually learned. It's because of what we've seen in movies. So what does that say about the CIA's participation in Hollywood production? I'm going to leave you with that. And that's all we got for this weekly topic. Make sure you send me some mail and what you think about it. And next, we're going to move on to the mailbag. So, before we get into this week's mailbag, please remember to send me some mail at fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Uh, it's still a pretty empty mailbox guys, so I'd appreciate it if you start sending me your scary, crazy stories. I would appreciate that very much. Fringe with benefits at protonmail.com. This week I'm going to read to you a really interesting comment that I ran into on a can am missing uh, YouTube video comments thread, okay? So the username is just a bunch of question marks and this was put up about a year ago and I thought that it was absolutely crazy. So I wanted to share it with you guys because I don't think anybody is going to see it in a YouTube video thread. So I'm going to give it a little bit of notoriety right now. It says, I used to live out here. Beautiful place. I've rode my bike along most of the roads. Once I was in Bobbinhead. me and a friend were fishing. Bobbinhead is surrounded by thick bush and kuringji and goes down to the water. I was around 1 a.m. when I heard a strange guttural growling, rhythmic-like, consistent, weird sound coming from top of the cliff face we had camped under. It gave me chills and made me feel dizzy and very sleepy. I thought it was a dog, but it sounded much bigger. I called my friend up, and he also heard it, so we started throwing stones in the direction, hoping to scare it out. Instead, a large boulder was somehow pushed off the cliff face and smashed its way down to the hill into the water. It missed us about five feet. But the size of it is now what I think about. How could a dog push 180 to a 200 kilo rock off the side of a cliff? So we ran. I got to the top of our hill, which met the bottom of the cliff face directly. And I could hear something breaking branches and thumping on the ground like running. And I could literally feel this coming up through the ground under my feet. Yet it was about 30 feet above me. I heard like a loud panting, breathing type sound growling in between the snapping of branches. Now the bush was erupting above us, small stones and bits of tree and leaves falling on us from above. I looked at my friend who was as white as a ghost and we both panicked badly. Near on pissed myself, the whole total overwhelming feeling of dread and smell so vile I can't explain it. Like a burnt out electrical appliance with a strong smell of urine, musky old type smell, totally overpowering, eyes watered. I just felt weird, like I wanted to sit down and everything would be alright, that I had to just stay there, sleep, a little. While on the other hand, all my other senses telling me to run. Lucky my friend and I had each other, because at one stage he actually got off his bike and we were going to sit down while whatever it was was making a shitstorm above us, came down to see us. We were lucky, I guess, but a car with its high beam on came flying past... And just missed the fishing rods blasting its horn, and the driver, God bless him, took the time to wind his window down and scream profanities at us, which in turn gave me and me mate time to grab our gear and go. We were riding up the last bit of road along the same cliff face nearly at the top of bobbin heads when the bush erupted again, again growling and pounding. You could feel whatever this thing was Running on the ground through your feet, it was heavy and big branches were being snapped like twigs. It was running alongside us, but through the thick bush above us and on top of the cliff was moving with the bikes. We were doing at least 40 kilos per hour, kilometers per hour. At one stage, the bends prevent you from going any faster. But this thing was going through thick, overgrown forest and I could feel in my guts the whole thing knew. If this thing got a hold of me, I was dead. And my friend was right behind me. The whole way, he said, in some places he could see a black shadow type thing, no eyes or limbs or nothing to show what it was, and there's just heaps of darker and the night around it. There was a turnoff where the road goes down away from the cliff face past the bus stop and then back up the cliff face and then about another three kilometers to the gates of the park out on the motorway or highway where there is another bus stop on the corner to the turnoff of Bobbin Heads. We went down towards the bus stop. Just before we got to the first bus stop, all the glass in the bus stop shattered out everywhere. All of it. At the same time. Like it was shot with a shotgun. That's when we floored the bikes, didn't care for the speed limit, or my friend at the time. I lost my rods from the rod holder on the bike. My tackle box off the back rack. Well, (laughs) tackle box off the back rack. The fear was overwhelming. Like, if I didn't wait a, a second, we would have both been dead. I didn't even look back. I could hear the bike behind me. I knew my friend was close, and we hammered it. it. must have been doing at least 100 to 120 kilometers per hour for about two kilometers, then slowed once we could see the gates. We got off the bikes when we reached the bus stop outside the gates of the park. My friend, My friend's head was throbbing from a severe headache. My friend had his helmet off. Being sick, he could hardly stand up. We were both sweating really bad and got the chills. I felt like being sick, but had eaten nothing during the day. Then we heard the bushes breaking across the road about 300 meters back into the park. We didn't hear any growling this time, but it was headed towards us 100%. We both jumped on our bikes. My friend took the two seconds to stick his helmet on. I took off my helmet on the tank and put some distance between that damn thing and the bush. I will never forget this experience for the rest of my life. It scared me so much I will not set foot in a national park again. Uh, Daytime or especially after dark, I will warn people to enjoy the place from your car. Do not wander these places alone or stay there at night. There is definitely 100% something in these national parks worldwide taking people. Either Bigfoot, portals, UFOs, dogmen, serial killers, or just plain lost it. Matters not what matters is the amount of people, children, elderly, fit as a fiddle, professionally trained hikers, bushmen of all people, hunters... Just gone? No trace? Nothing? I think what happened to me and my friend is a part of it. If you felt what we felt that night, it was like we had taken sleeping tablets or tranquilizers until that car came past. I think we, I would not be alive if if a missing person, I'd be a missing person myself if that car had not gone past when it did. I think we would be a part and parcel of these missing people. I don't care what people think or say about my experience, believe me or not, just as long as what happened to me, you never have to go through, and never let your guard down, and never take your eyes off each other. If you decide to go hiking, take your guns and tie yourselves to each other with a rope. Never ever let your kids go off alone in these places, not for one second. I was lucky the Lord was watching over me that night, because yes, I was praying my heart out. I've never felt hunted in my life. Pure evil emptiness, every fiber of my being telling me to run while well, I'm watching myself about to take a seat and wait calmly for whatever it was, helpless, not in control of your faculties, but knowing you're in big trouble, not understanding why you're sitting when you should be running for your life, feeling disoriented and sick for days after vague forgetting basic things felt like we were given heavy tranquilizers. I don't know how we rode out of their adrenaline, I guess. Both of us did not go to work and slept about 19 to 24 hours straight after it happened. It's also weird how we never talked about it like it didn't happen for ages. I thought we would be treated like loonies, but after seeing things like 411, we have talked and people should be warned. Special investigations should be done. If not, then the government is covering up something and should be held accountable for these missing people. If the average Joe can see something is absolutely wrong here, then the so-called professionals should take a back seat and let the victims' families have the information they require and a true list of all the missing people in the state or national forests around the world. Either the government is hiding something, or it is too big for them to handle and they are scared. Whichever it is, people have the right to know. This secrecy is ridiculous. Look at the numbers. I bet if it happened to an elite politician's family member or a super-rich elite celebrity, there wouldn't be such secrecy or shady things going on. It'd be all hands on deck. These missing people need a full investigation, paid for by the People's tax. If need be open inquiry and investigation and any excuses or hindrances from forestry or any government officials should be treated as hostile and also put under investigation for interfering with an investigation of a possible kidnap and or murder of a missing person. Nobody is above the law. This should be taken to the highest court in the land and taken on by the non-corrupt judge in front of their peers. It absolutely disgusting. Children have gone missing like this with no proper follow-up investigation and hidden by certain groups in the interest of money. What the F? Somebody needs to do something. My hat goes off to you, David. You have opened my eyes to something I never knew happened every day all over the planet. I feel I know what part of these missing people felt. Total brain miss not knowing, not knowing nothing but to sit or wait or sleep. I knew I was not going to wake up if I went to sleep. The scariest thing of all is you can't stop yourself. You just sit. Anyways, God bless to all the missing people's families. God bless you, David. Keep up the brilliant work. 411 I, I believe does the job you set out to do. 100% opened my eyes and again, these case, cases need to be looked at formally by the FBI and the National Guard. There's something out there taking some of these people and there has been for a long time. What I heard and seen does not belong in the Australian bush. If it does, I I was never taught about it. And when I really think about the weather, it went from calm, warm that night, that's why we went fishing, to a thunderstorm, lightning. The whole, let me see, where am I? Calm, warm night into thunderstorm lightning. The whole bit. I will never forget it ever. I thought I was going to die. I'm a 48-year-old man with seven children today. When I look back on that night, I'm happy to be alive. I will never take my family or friends into a national park ever again. Just thinking about that night and the feeling it gave me is one of the most absolute helplessness. And to just sit and wait. I will be affected by that until the day I die. Anyway, I thought I'd share my story. Stay away from the damn forest, no joke. Be safe, everyone. God bless. Wow. Okay, so this guy's story obviously really affected me to where I felt that I needed to share it. Um, for one, he talks about feeling this, hearing this low growl. And if anybody is familiar with the, the mechanism of infrasound, large mammals, large predatory mammals... Um, lions I've uh, I have personally experienced this in the African bush lions with the low growl it actually does something to your biological physiological system it makes you more prey like I'm not really sure how to explain it it messes you up and there are have been re- reports of people that have experienced this infrasound either it made them tired or it made them physically ill and it affected them for days even upon weeks after experiencing that so there's no doubt this guy experienced something in the australian bush it's just as to what so obviously he's been following can am missing and david Poletti's missing 411 which i've talked about before on the show i suggest that anybody who's anybody goes to check out this guy's books because he's compiled an abundance of research about missing people in national parks and uh, state forests as well. So absolutely an incredible story. Those are the kind of stories that I want to get in my inbox. If you've seen anything incredible, if you've experienced UFOs, ghosts, Sasquatch, Black eyed kids. We talked about them before. If you've experienced anything weird, maybe something that you're embarrassed to talk about because you know that people might make fun of you, send me an email. I'll listen to it and I won't share your name. I'll just share your tale. This week's guest spot is filled with Naked and Afraid alumni. First, I want to give a shout out to Kayla Cummings and her incredible blacksmithing. She creates these beautiful knives. You have to go check her out, kaylacummingsknives.com. She's also the first female to ever get a big game animal, especially in South Africa or even ever on the history of Naked and Afraid, ever, ever so she's incredible. She's a good friend of mine. Go give her some support and go check out her incredible artwork, which are blades. I hope you like knives because that's what she makes. Also, we got Dustin Hobbs. I was able to be on his The Think Liberty podcast earlier this week and I wanted to make sure that you guys go over and give him a listen. It's at uh think or I'm sorry, think-liberty.com that is the Think Liberty podcast. Go give him a like and check him out, Dustin Hobbs, was also a Naked and Afraid participant. This week's Inward Survival School of Magic is something extremely basic. All it is is just some basic hygiene. I'm going to give you a pointers, some pointers, and I'm going to give you some reasons why to do the thing that I'm about to tell you to do. Okay, so throughout humanity, we have had all types of purification rituals. In my eyes, it's a form of magic when we go in there and we perform the same activities every time we wash our hair, every time we brush our teeth, every time we do any grooming, we do the same thing, usually over and over again. And then the more thorough we are, the better of a job we do, right? So I really wanna talk about dry skin brushing. I was going to save this for a blog I was gonna write, which there's tons of blogs about it, and I just really wanted to put it out there. There's all kinds of materials that you can do dry brushing with. You pretty much get creative, get out there and read some on this because it's seriously one of the best things you can ever do for your health and for your mind and for your body. I'm a big proponent in um, body toughening as well as mind toughening, but absolutely making sure that we condition our bodies in a way to where it, um, it performs better, it responds better to stress all those things. So one of these techniques you can use is dry brushing, okay? So basically, your body has a series of lymphatic vessels that drain fluid, lymph fluid, right, from your tissues and then will empty them back in your bloodstream. So when you do the act of dry brushing your skin before you shower or whatever, it actually aids your circulatory system. Now, you don't wanna overdo it, of course. You don't wanna scrub until you're completely raw and bleeding or anything and you can do it too much but just enough will actually revitalize your body. So I want you guys to try this, please. It encourages blood circulation and cell regeneration. We have skin cells that are just like layers upon layers upon layers, and if we do not scrub those off, then it's really not good and we can suffer skin disorders from it. So exfoliation gloves are great. Doing it while you're wetting in the shower is great too, but there are benefits to dry brushing alone so basically you're accelerating toxin elimination you can reduce cellulite but exercise is really good for that too it stimulates blood flow and circulation aids in digestion um, unclogs your pores like i said slews off the old dead skin cells enhances lymphatic flow it exfoliates like i just said it's anti-aging because it helps our cells regenerate it polishes the skin it will make your skin super soft Better than any kind of stupid lotion that's got poisons in it. (laughs) Um, It will also stimulate both the sweat and the sebaceous glands. So you're basically going to want to use a skin brush, loofah, or dry face cloth, which is basically just a dry wash rag you can do. You start at your feet and always brush, brush towards your heart. Brisk circular motions or long, even strokes on the larger part of your bodies, And brush all the way up your legs, your buttocks, and your back and then a circular motion on your abdomen. Be light on your sensitive areas. Don't overdo it there, but make sure that when you reach your arms, you begin at your fingers and your brush up towards your heart, and then you brush your shoulders and chest down towards your heart. Avoid brushing anywhere where you might have any boo-boos or any broken skin, and then finish by taking a shower and rinsing all that stuff off. I know this seems absolutely ridiculous that I'm telling you this, But I know most of you all aren't going to listen anyways, but I'm telling you, if you want to experience magic, experience dry brushing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Iceman Wim Hof, but I think he would be a huge proponent of dry brushing, considering he likes to get into the freezing-ass cold water. Then you'd probably want to finish off with using some natural food-grade oil to replenish your skin. And remember not to overdo it, but I'm serious, you're going to love it, and I'm telling you, do it. (laughs) This week's Stoic Thought is by Vince Lombardi. Quote, mental toughness is spartanism with qualities of sacrifice self-denial dedication it is fearlessness and it is love i really wanted to leave you with something about mental toughness and toughening the mind and toughening the body for all future endeavors for adaptability for strength couldn't really find anything like that but i did find this one by vince lombardi and i think it has a lot of attributes that should be valued. Let's say it again. For our week, mental toughness is Spartanism with qualities of sacrifice, self-denial, dedication. It is fearlessness and it is love. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.